It was just before Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. It's great to see you today. Uh, we do have people who are visiting with us, and we're, we're thankful for that. We're glad you're here. We, we have people who are not visiting with us, who are here all the time. And we're thankful for you, too. Um, we're, we're thankful for you, too. And um, Gary gets such good feedback from showing pictures of babies. I'm thinking that while I'm preaching just from time to time, the picture of a baby may just show up. Uh, spontaneously um, and uh, maybe not related to anybody just just the one that just shows up dog a dog would work in Austin yeah um, let me tell you a thing or two um, next week uh, a fellow named Mitchell East is going to preach for us and uh, Mitchell is uh, a guy that uh, we're going to look at about being our preacher. He is uh, the first in a what will probably be a line of people that are uh, we'll talk, visit with, um, and we'll say some more about him. But I learned this morning that he does fit a little bit in the Austin uh, environment. Uh, he does have celiac and must eat gluten free. And that is so trendy. Uh, I, I can't imagine that somebody who is a millennial and needs to be gluten-free wouldn't have a call to preach somewhere um, nearby. So anyway, that'll be great. And, um, and I want to say a, a little bit about the Sunday after that. You know, we have, we have, a, we have April where you have uh, the beginning of April is Easter and you have five Sundays. Well, the fifth Sunday, the 29th, um, is going to be a, a wonderful day of worship. Uh, we're going to we're going to plan on leaving the auditorium. You remember those times when the 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 heating uh, the cooling wouldn't be on, and we'd have to go over to the the uh, LFC, and we'd all sit together closely, and and it, we'd come back going, "Wasn't that great? I got to sit by people I didn't know. I got to hear somebody else snore during the sermon than the person I'm usually with. It was just uh, uh, moving in many ways." Well, we're going to do that intentionally on the 29th. We're going to go into the activity center, be closed. We're going to have a, a day where we, we worship in song and around the Lord's table. And it will be an extraordinary uh, way of uh, having old songs and new songs and, and being together. And Ben is uh, crafting that. But I'm already pretty excited about that. Um, pretty excited. We've been preaching in the Gospel of John. And this uh, morning we come to John 13. 13. 
John 13 begins a a series of chapters in the Gospel of John that are all taken from the upper room. Uh, It is uh, Thursday night, which is really Friday from a Jewish perspective. It is Thursday night and Jesus has some things to say. This is sort of his farewell discourse. He has been with his disciples for three years or so. They've seen him on his very, very best days and they're about to see him on his worst. They have wondered about his identity. They have been challenged to say if they believe he is the Christ or not. And they have, they have mouthed the words. They have said, we believe you are the Christ. They have no idea what that's going to mean. They have no idea. But they're with him. And he's with them. And through chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, perhaps we will hear Jesus saying the very last things he wanted to say to his apostles and, and perhaps the last things he would want to say to us. But this morning, we, in chapter 13, uh, deal with Jesus um, more like a, a prophet, like a, an Ezekiel. Ezekiel was called to do things that had prophetic value. Jeremiah was called to, to do things that had prophetic value. And Jesus does that here. Uh, in front of you, you see a, a bowl and a towel. And the bowl and the towel are the, the great symbols for what Jesus does and talks about in John chapter 13. Before the Gospel of John is over, we will think of Jesus and his life as his ministry was characterized by a bowl and a towel. And his ultimate sacrifice by the cross, sealed in life by the resurrection. So that at some point in, in our lives, if, if we know Jesus in terms of the cross and the towel, of the, uh, that we will know Jesus intensely. And so... As we turn to John 13, we've already heard part of it. But listen. The first verse is sort of the beginning of the rest of John. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved those who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. And that certainly means what comes immediately, but it also speaks down into what he will say and what he will do in the cross and what he will do in the resurrection. Jesus is intent on showing us the full extent of his love. We're going to park there for a minute. 
We're going to park there for a minute because as we think about what the intent of our life is, what we want to make sure people go away from us knowing, we have lots of options. Uh, we could we could let people go away from us knowing we're powerful, or, or knowing that we're smart, or knowing that we're sure, or knowing that we're religious. We could have them going away knowing something about our family, our connections, our business. I've known people that one of the first things they wanted to tell you was what they made a week or a year. They just sort of led with their, their index of value in dollars and cents. Some of us, we want you to know about our, our children or our grandchildren or who our ancestors were. I, I come from good people. And the answer is, well, what happened? You know. All of those things that you could want to leave people with. And Jesus, as his last word, is to make sure people know the full extent of his love. Imagine that. Imagine stepping into that skin for a minute as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And and let that urge to make sure that people know how much you love them is the thing that you leave with them. I, uh, I did a funeral one time for a family and their their dad had died and there were three of them sitting there and I uh I asked them I said so what 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 can you tell me about your dad now usually this opens up wonderful stories like the the Watson girls you know they're they their dad you know they had stories they had stories about his life and these folks, they kind of looked at each other and looked at the floor. And finally, one of them said, well, he liked to bowl. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to do a sermon on that. Um, you know, life out of the gutter, spare me. Um, you know, there's, there's very little you can do with that that is of any nobility at all. But I thought, how tragic that that the folks have nothing to say about their father, their father's love, their father's character, their father, nothing to say. And Jesus, at the end of his life, says, in the next few minutes, the next few days, these folks are going to know the full extent of my love This is what I want to leave. I want to brand them with my love. And when people decide who they're going to be, you and I get to decide what we leave with people. And the extent of our love in Christ is 
the very best option. I think of that in regard to the, the, the body of the church. That the body of the church might ask in our community, what is the thing that we most want to leave those around us? What do we want them to be thinking? What do we want them to feel from us? What is our last word to them? And, and if it could be, those are the folks who really love. Those are the folks who really love. They love the people that are like them. They love the people that are not like them. They love the people they agree with, both of them. Um, they love the people they don't agree with. They love the sick. They love the well. They love the red, the yellow, the black, the white. They are precious in their sight. They love everyone with a great love. And for us to analyze everything we do as individuals and everything we do as a church and ask, is love refracted through that? Is love seen through this action? Or, or is this going to sound like something other than love? Is this going to sound like something other than that? And so it goes on, at the evening meal, and there are already things afoot. Judas has already promised to betray Jesus, and yet he's at the meal. And Simon Peter, who's just Simon, is at the meal, and, and John's at the meal, and the others are gathered around. But then it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You've, maybe you've heard this sermon. I always imagine that there's somebody who hasn't. And this is the first time you get to see Jesus do this. How exciting is that for me? <laughs> to get to tell you this story first, it would be uh, amazing to get to do that. Um, but Jesus takes the towel. Now I brought one from the house. And some of you rude people out there are going, don't even try it, Eddie, it won't go around you. Okay, I already figured that out. It's a towel and a bowl, and I didn't put water in it because the way things go with me, it would not work. But, but these are the tools of the servant in the house. These are the tools of the servant. The, you would expect that if you went to someone's home that, that, that someone who was a, a servant, someone who wasn't of, of very much um, 
maybe value or worth or on anybody's Christmas card list much would get this job. And that you'd wash the feet of those who were gathered, of your guests, of your friends' friends. But you would have that job because you were powerless. It would be the job you had because you were powerless. John makes it very clear that Jesus, as he thinks about himself, knows that he has come from God. And knows that he is returning to God. And that God, what did it say? That God had put all things under his power. Suddenly, the one who is the most powerful being in the world, in the universe, in all of creation, the one to whom the Father has put all power is now picking up a towel. We don't need a show of hands. But I'll, I'll put my hands up. My hand up for all of us. Have you ever been in the place where you knew you were about to get to the point of the dinner or the, or the, the party or the, the, the meeting where it was going to be time to clean up? It was going to be time to clean up and there's this sort of looking around the room seeing who's going to, who's going to do it. And we've been through some of this before in Leadership and Self-Deception, this great book that's out there, Leadership and Self-Deception. And it says that if, if you don't do what you know you should do quickly, you will immediately begin to figure out the reasons why you shouldn't have to. Why it shouldn't be your job, why it shouldn't fall to you, it shouldn't be yours to do. You will begin to rationalize uh, your own virtue and you will be able to demonize others so that it's above, it's beneath you and above them. We've done that. Just pause for a minute and remember doing that and remember how you rationalized the fact that it wasn't your job. Now, if you've never done this, you need to finish the sermon because I'm suddenly not worthy with you in the room, but I'm not buying it for a minute. It's possible to do that and also be a liar. We know what it's like to feel like it's not our job. You got it? Okay. And it's also possible to be one of those folks who's around somebody who always seems to think it's their job. 
You, you look up and, and you barely finished eating and there's, there's somebody in the kitchen already. And you hear the water running and, and, and the pans that were used to make the meal. They're kind of clashing around. They're, they're, you, you, you get around somebody, you, whoa, what are they doing? And in this context of, of John 13, what you hear is that it is possible in Christ to be a servant on the basis of your power in Christ. Not because of your weakness in that social structure, not because of your place in the pecking order, not because of, of what your color is or your, the money is or any of those other things. It is possible to have the right to be the servant and to grab the towel and the bowl. It is possible to do that because of the power we have. And that's stunning. That's stunning. And then Jesus, having washed, and he, he does, he talks to, he talks to Peter who doesn't want his feet washed. And then Peter says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me. And then he says, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. No one is above his Lord and teacher. In verse 31, Jesus continues, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And Peter, in his wonderful way that makes us think we're like him, Lord, where are you going? Not. <laughs> he doesn't say, Lord, tell me more about that. Love one another as you've loved us. Where, where are you going?
In my little bulletin column today, I actually wrote the sermon because I wanted to make sure that you got it. But the one who is now, over a period of a few days, going to tell people the full extent of his love, and the one who in the towel and the bowl has used his cosmic power to wash feet. He says, we're going to tweak Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 just a little bit. And we're going to tweak what has been said during my ministry about the, the greatest and the second greatest commandment. That it is the greatest and the second greatest commandment. Fine, love your neighbor. But, but in the Old Testament and in the ministry of Jesus, everybody knew it was love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, edited Leviticus 19.18. And I think he did it because, as someone said, it says love one, love your neighbor as yourself, and we usually do. Some of us don't like ourselves very much. Some of us have been told all our lives in, in, our, in our families that we're... We're not very worthy. That we're not worthy of doing much that's good. Some of us have been raised around anger and, and abuse. And, and, and when we are told to love others as we love ourselves, we go, well, that won't take long. That won't take long. Because when I think about loving someone else, I need, I, need a better, I need a better measure than mine. What if, what if we were going to build a building and everybody brought a piece of string that they decided was three feet long? Everybody just bring three feet long. Well, you go out there and you go your foot. You put three feet together, you lay the string down, and everybody brings a string. And we'd all stand up here with our little string. And some of those strings would be long, some would be short. They wouldn't all be the same. Because each one of us would have a different standard of what three feet might be. Have you ever looked up in the, in the Wikipedia or maybe even a book uh, what the length is of a meter down to the wavelengths of argon? And it's a standard measure. I, I had a friend who was a physics major at, at ACU and he went to work for the Bureau of Weights and Standards and spent his career staring at a, I guess, a, me, a meter stick in a, in a box. I don't know what he did. It was his life's work to know how long something was and to make sure everybody used the same measure. Jesus says, now, after 
centuries of us all searching for what it means to love one another as ourselves, I am coming as the gold standard of love. I'm coming as the standard of love. Love one another as I have loved you. Imagine for a minute being told to love others as you love yourself and being told to love others as Christ has loved you. Can you feel the difference in how those two commands sound? One of them makes it sound like I kind of own it. I kind of own it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I kind of own it. Love one another as I have loved you. I don't own that. I don't own that. That's been set outside of me. And for those who say, well, loving your neighbor as yourself is what you do for the people outside the church and loving others as Christ loved, loved you is for people inside the church. I got a Greek word for you. Hogwash. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to do? Well... You don't get the love of Christ. You get the love of me. I've been loved like Jesus loves me. But today, along the way, with your need for food or conversation or consideration, you don't get what I know about love from Jesus. You get what I need to know about love from me. Thus, hogwash. So we have this wonderful opportunity in John chapter 13 to see Jesus absolutely powerful and absolutely vulnerable and absolutely servant. And we get to hear his words. If I'm your teacher and you're the student, then you do what I do. Grab a towel. And a new commandment I'm giving you. That you love one another. But now, as I have loved you. And you'll know more about that in two days. Because the standard is not a yardstick. It's a cross. Let's stand together.